another episode of one more round i'm joined as always by chris Stephen, and gary before we jump into this week's conversation i just want to congratulate gary on the new job that he starts monday week first round is on you when we get it first when you get your first pay packet no problem with that. Exactly, <laughs> Grand. Uh, so tonight we'll be talking about the rugby world cup and ireland's exit the premiership the champions league the seemingly cursed ufc dublin card and more but first it's question time guys so Who's winning this? Still, still Chris, is it? Chris is up five points to four. Um, Gary, how you doing? <laughs> uh, I, I've inherited the wooden spoon, so um, I'll get off the mark at some point. Excellent. So, with Ireland out of the Rugby World Cup, I didn't really feel like continuing the Rugby World Cup team. <laughs> uh, but Ireland are still with a chance of qualifying for Euro 2016. So what I want to know is, which Euro 2016 qualification game produced the highest number of goals? this campaigns so, so studying question. studying the whole week for this question and now it's useless <laughs> <laughs> that's just not fair you're like mo- moving the goalposts on me yeah I just didn't feel like talking about the rugby I didn't didn't feel like another question about the rugby so he's all of the question yeah 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 okay um, so since I brought up a year, the year 2016 let's talk about the playoff Um so we'll, we'll obviously go into this in a lot more detail closer to the time but just looking for your general reaction to the draw that was made last Sunday so Ireland v Bosnia Norway v Hungary Ukraine v Slovenia and Sweden v Denmark obviously the big one for us Ireland v Bosnia Abby, Sad, what do you think? A bit of both I think um, I think we feared kind of the the big name strikers and we got one of them with Edin Dzeko um, I think they're good. Uh, they improve a lot in the second half of their campaign. They're good at home. They're solid away, if if not spectacular. I think it'll be a tough, a tough two legs. But of the four teams we could have gotten, I don't think it's the worst shot. Yeah, no, no I, I agree with that. Um, probably Hungary would have been the best draw, and then maybe. Happy with Bosnia after that. I think the tricky one is going to be the away leg. I mean, they did beat Wales 2-0 at home. So if we can even get a nil-nil there and then just try and win the home leg. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy enough with the the Bosnia draw. Obviously, like Chris said, Hungary was the was the ideal one. But I'm happy to avoid this last time. And a, tri- a trip away to Ukraine wouldn't have been an ideal one. So I think Bosnia was probably the, the, the best outcome. Most importantly, avoiding Lord Bettner. <laughs> Although that Sweden-Denmark tie could be fantastic over two legs. It could be, it could be. And speaking of over the two legs, though, as, as much as we gave out last week about the whole scene for the playoffs, I see that the kind of lower-seeded team gets the home leg second. So I thought that's 
at least something. So we'll know what we have to do when we bring them back to the Aviva. Yeah, I'm not sure if, if that's a brand new thing for this tournament because I hadn't heard of it before. I think it does. I still like the idea of seeding for a second time after already being seeded in the group stages, but at least it does give you give you some bit of a a level playing field that that you do. You know what you have to do. You can bring them back to your home ground, and we've just beaten the world champions there. So it's a fortress now, is it? Fortress of Eva. <laughs> Um, yeah, so just before we move on, you seem happy enough with it. I've asked this for the last two weeks now. Can we qualify? Chris always says we can, but can we actually qualify now that we know who we're playing? We can. <laughs> I'm not going to go out and say we will yet, because I think they have someone who can, if Jekko turns up, be Lewandowski-esque, if that's a word. Um, <laughs> He can go and score two goals in a game and almost knock us out single-handedly. So if we can contain him and bear in mind we don't have a Shea for the first leg in Bosnia, that could be huge. If or we Walters. can, or Walters, but Walters won't have to mark Jeko. I think Walters is very much a. He'd be useful in holding the ball up, but I don't. I don't think he, I think he'd be. He'd be more useful in the second leg as opposed to the first. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um. So moving on from the playoffs, uh, have a quick review of the Premiership. Um, I suppose, where else to start but uh, Cops' first game in charge. Turned out great game, was it? Yeah, like you say, the, the game wasn't really a cracker. Um, Liverpool started well enough, uh, pressing Spurs high up the pitch. Um, had a, a decent chance with Origi, a header from a corner, and he hit the crossbar and was a little bit unlucky to kind of it bounced down onto Larice's back and somehow it stayed out. Um, that was pretty much as close as Liverpool came. From there, Spurs slowly grew into the game and Harry Kane was had a great chance. Um, when he fired straight at Minile's legs. Um, Spurs created more chances then after that, going into the second half and. Minile pulled off some some great saves. Um, Liverpool didn't really threaten, and in the end, were kind of happy enough to take the point. It's not really the worst result in the world, considering um, what happened to Man City there. Um, yeah, like I, like I think yeah, I think if for, with a brand new manager going to Spurs. In his first game, I think very few clubs wouldn't take a point. It's still easiest place to go. I mean, I, I wouldn't have taken a point before the game, but losing Sturridge the way we did, um, I don't know. I mean, it could have been worse. Like I said, my city were, were hammered there not so long ago. So I don't, I don't think a point away to Spurs is anything to be sniffed at. No, you mentioned there that uh, Sturridge's injury. Do you know any update on that? Apparently, it's not it's not serious. And Klopp gave an interview during the week and said his target return is for the Southampton game on Sunday. So I think it was very much just a precaution, considering the amount of problems he's had. Yeah, you wouldn't want wouldn't want to risk it with him. No, definitely not. If if there's any kind of fear of him doing an injury, you just pull him aside and give him a couple of weeks or whatever he needs. Just kind of. Wrap him up and cut on wool. 
Yeah, was it was this the first time you like we've probably seen Origi in the Premiership? Uh, it was his first start. It might even have been his first appearance. I'm not sure about that. Uh-huh. And what did you think? Um, I think he worked hard. He was he was isolated up front on his own at times. Um, not really his fault. Um, as the game went on, we seemed to have a lot less of the ball and we did a defensive job. A lot of kind of work without the ball, a lot of pressing. So from that point of view, he does work hard. Um, but the, the one moment he had, obviously, very early on. and I don't know if I'm being a bit harsh. I mean, it wasn't the easiest of chances, but you're kind of hoping he could do better and find the back of the net. Yeah, yeah. Um, which manager do you think is happier? I would say Klopp, definitely. I think um, Spurs were in better form than us, and obviously Pochettino's been there for quite a while. They were the home side, I think. They were the, probably if you had to say who were the most likely to win it, you would say Spurs, in fairness, they created the better chances. So I think as the match finished, we'd have to say we were happier with the points. Yeah, do you not think, though, that like we all know what happens when a, manager, a new manager comes into a team? The players seem to play that 10, 15% better or they, they put more into it or whatever it, whatever it is. So it was always going to be a tough game whoever for whoever Liverpool were playing. So I think Spurs did quite well to contain them, so to speak. Yeah, that's that's the other side of it. Um, Spurs probably wouldn't have wanted to be playing against Klopp in his first game in charge, but I think maybe more so his first home game at Anfield in the league is going to be more, more kind of surrounding that in terms of media and hype. I just yeah, think... You, you you say first home league game because I know you have like a league cup, league cup game first of all at home do you think will that take away some of us because it will be well, his first we, game we played at home in the Europa League tonight um, no I think that the first Premier League game at home will still be special um, Sky will probably hype it up as well I'm sure they will um, plenty of interviews and past players getting on for a few minutes on the TV Um like I think in fair, Klopp said it when he came in. This is going to take time. Like he's not going to be able to wave a magic wand. He's got some some good players, and he's got some good players to bring back from injury. But there's a lot of problems at that team that need to be fixed. And I think a week was a bit ambitious to get the the team playing like they have done at Spurs for the last couple of years. Like the the five one and or or the three nil. It just it was unlikely to happen. In fair, in, if we're being realistic. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Um, as you said, home game this weekend against Southampton. Um, would you be expecting the three points out of that now? Um, I wouldn't really say expecting at the moment. I mean, I think we're now seven games without a win, if I'm right, in all competitions. Right. Um, I'd be hopeful. I mean, pretty much every game played, I'm looking to win. Yeah. I mean that's what that's what you need to be doing if you want to get into that top four win your home games whatever about like if you can drop points against the the big four um, the likes of Southampton no disrespect like they've, they've improved year on year but we need to beat the likes of them if we want to get into the Champions League again yeah exactly exactly um, so that was having a look at the newest manager or one of the newest managers Klopp um, as we mentioned last week two managers that uh were in a bit of trouble. Chelsea Villa. Chelsea got the. I suppose it was a comfortable two 0 win at the end. Um, what do you think, Gary? 
Uh, from I I didn't expect Chelsea to win it, which sounds strange considering the the goals they've scored against Villa at home the last two seasons. I think they've won eight nil and seven nil a couple of times. So, um, it was it wasn't the most flamboyant game we'd say, but Chelsea Chelsea did what they had to do to get, to get the win. But some of Mourinho's decisions were a bit surprising, like dropping Hazard. Obviously, Ivanovic was injured, so he didn't play. And he started Loftus Cheek and Pedro and in their places and Baba Rachman was it, do you but, think it was surprising to drop Hazard or has he just not been playing well enough or is he too um, good to play you just don't drop him no I wouldn't there's very few players I think you could say that are actually undroppable and they'd be the likes of Messi and Ronaldo but any player by rights I think can, can be dropped they're not playing well they don't deserve to start Wayne Rooney but I don't well <laughs> <laughs> That was a joke. But, but um, no, there's. I think there's there's more to it with Hazard because in the last in the last week, I know obviously it's just rumors and this and that. But I know you're a man, that, you love the rumors you do. Well, like obviously there's the stories of Hazard possibly going to Real Madrid before the st- like at the end of the season, and I don't know would anyone really be surprised to see him go. So. I, I'd, he signed I'd a new contract it. recently enough, so it'd be surprising enough. Like he seemed settled last season. Yeah, but I think having the the few losses and the way Chelsea have played, like it doesn't it doesn't look like the team. Well, I say half the team has faith in Mourinho. The other half maybe is starting to lose that. And I think we talked about it last week with um, Capello saying that he burns teams out within eighteen months, and there's signs of that again. Uh, to, to say that he like. A few losses, and he he's looking to jump ship. Doesn't uh, doesn't put him across in a good light as a player or as a person. Well, no, well, if you if you look at the way he actually picked Chelsea and the way he advertised it, it was known that um, there was three offers on the table from from City, United, and from Chelsea, and he decided to announce it via Twitter or Facebook or whatever it was that he did, saying, "I've decided to join this team." I think that was. It. It wasn't the most respectful way to to say, right, I'm going to join this club and for whatever reason. Was that just building up his profile? Uh, maybe building up his ego more than his profile, but it was certainly a different way of doing it. I think what it might be is Hazard looking at what's happening at Chelsea and realising that the next year, two, three years don't look that exciting. Like there's a couple of players there who, <coughs> if they, himself included, if they do realise their potential, they they have potential to be champions in England again and co- competing at the Champions League level. But when you're losing Terry Ivanovic, they don't, um, Drogba obviously left, they don't look like a team who's on the up the way I know, I know Arsenal Hazard currently has, do right now. I know, I know that Hazard has ambitions to be the best player in the world and stuff and maybe he thinks he can't do that in England well the best player in the world doesn't play in England anymore yeah well the the, the shortlist has been announced and I don't, don't is there one or there's three is it three from England or something or not many no the, the, the best players in the world inevitably end up in Spain it's just the odd time it's in Italy but the vast majority of players if you want to be rated the rest in the world and if you want to win trophies you go to Barcelona with the Real or you head east and go to Bayern Munich they're the three best teams in the world right now and 
if he thinks Chelsea aren't going to be in that league over the next few years, I think you have to go. Some people say it's money or it's ego, but you also have... Personal ambition. Exactly. You only have a career of 15 years and probably 10 years at the top level. If you don't think you can reach the trophies or win the trophies that you want to and you think you're good enough to win them at a, at, at a different club, then you go. It's as simple as that. That, that. that certainly is one way of looking at it and maybe he's thought about it. Maybe he does feel that he can't do it in England. He can't become the best player in the world in England. Um, it'd be interesting one to follow and see what happens there. Um, moving on, having a look at Everton v United. Uh, I was saying last week that this is always a game that I always worry about a little bit and I never like when United go to Goodison Park but uh, they proved me wrong this week yeah no I was to be honest I was in the same boat having been beaten I, I conceded lots of goals in the last two games away at Goodison Park I was very worried and then I think that the two goals in four minutes any time you do that like what happened with United the week before against Arsenal if you can see two quick goals it, it can really knock the something out of you and that looked like whatever and they were competitive we got the goal and it was 18 and 22nd minute and after that it was such an uphill battle for them and United are very good when they have a lead the way they play it mightn't be the most exciting right now but if you can keep the ball when you have a lead you can hit teams in the counter attack and then the goal in the, in the second half with Ray, Wayne Rooney just emphasised that that point. Nice to see him getting away goal. It is even in that goal he didn't look spectacular. I I would drop him. I've been saying it for weeks and even with a goal. He just he looks slow, he looks his control is off. In the past he's gone through runs of three or four games where that's happened and then he's clicked. But he's had the whole season and he still looks like the the least fit and the the worst ball control of any player in that Man United team, and that includes Marcus Rojo. So, <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't Van Gaal say though that he won't drop his captain? Well, then change captain. <laughs> Give the band to someone else next week, and then drop Rooney. Like, it's they're trying to play around him, and they're trying to find a formation. Like Marshall up front seemed to work for a couple of weeks, and now he put Rooney up there and brought in Herrera and put Marshall out to the left where he's nowhere near as effective and by doing that you're then dropping the pie which he hasn't quite settled but he's young and he, he needs game time in order to get consistency and if you're playing Marshall out there then it means the pie gets no game time and he needs it right now the one player you should be dropping is Rooney you have a front four of Marshall, Depay, Mal Herrera give that a couple of games because I think that's Right now, that's our best attacking four with two of Carrick, Schneiderlin and Schweinsteiger behind them. Do you think Van Gaal, Van Gaal knows his best 11? Um, is, is he adamant that Rooney is in his best 11? That's why he's sticking with it. So you, you, you and him just have different opinions rather than Van Gaal not knowing. It's not just me. Then I think anyone who's watched United, if you ask Gary, and if, and if you ask, or if you give an honest opinion, I think you'll agree. Rooney's been one of our worst players this season. Gary, yeah, no, yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. I think Rooney, he doesn't, as even that he doesn't look fit. He he's constantly giving the ball away or playing bad passes. I think he needs a spell out of the team, and 
whether it is play Mata in the number 10 behind him and have Memphis one side, Herrera the other and Martial up top. I just United looked will look a much better team going forward. Um, like Everyone obviously knows what Rain, Rain Rooney's done for the team, but again, you can't pick players on reputation. If they're not playing well, they don't deserve to play. Like He was injured for the England... I think it was the first England game of the two in the last international break. And apparently I was hoping it was more than just a week or two, just to give that front four a month to gel and settle. And then if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I think at this stage, with Rooney playing the way he is, he seems to grab a goal every once in a while. To just kind of the hat trick against Bruges gave him a couple of weeks grace. This goal against Everton might give him another couple of weeks, but he's in decline. And unless he shows some sign of, of of coming out of the slump I fear it's not a slump and just a natural degradation of, of his form because he's been playing top level football for so long I'm sure there's no doubt that I'm sure he won't be dropped this weekend uh, United's opponents this weekend, is a, this weekend is City and uh, they were involved in a bit of a high scoring game against Bournemouth 5-1 last weekend it was a sterling hat-trick you missing them at Liverpool Chris? Yeah, we could have done with someone scoring a hat trick for us against Spurs. <laughs> um, his agent was out during the week with comments. Like, I was trying some new player or something. He only tends to come out of the the woodwork when there's uh, contracts to be signed or players to be sold. Um, yeah, he was very good. In fairness, I mean, we wondered how City would cope without Silva and Aguero, and they coped out, coped okay. In fairness, um. Benefited playing quite close to Boney. He was able to kind of feed off anything that that bounced off Boney, and he took his goals very well. One in particular, where he just kind of danced his way around the box before slotting the ball into the back of the net. That showed a lot of composure, I thought. Very, very, very similar to the goal he scored for Liverpool against Man City a couple of years ago. Um, just the, the way he seemed to have that little bit of extra time in the box just compose himself and slot the ball into the net just kind of passing it in is what what he's quite good at because he's not the most natural of finishers um but yeah a great performance from from sterling and a big win for city yeah it was yeah 5-1 against bournemouth and the team that i said like i, I know bournemouth season won't hinge on an away game at city but they seem to be losing a couple of players, as we mentioned last week. So I hope they can pull out of it and kind of do something. I'd, I'd love to see them stay up. There's, um, there's one point I'd like to make. Uh, that It's kind of irrelevant in that game, but they had more possession than Man City in in the city of Manchester Stadium. I think that's one sign you can look at and go, well, they weren't overawed. They weren't defending for their lives. And they lost. But they lost badly as well. Well, yeah, I think that it's almost kind of like a trap. Give them the ball and then kind of hit, hit them on the counter with Navas and Sterling. I mean, Navas was through one on one, and I don't know how he didn't score himself. He's not a great finisher anyway. I I think there was a stat last night that he hadn't scored in fifty one games, which is a crazy stat for for a winger. Yeah, I I just don't think he. Is, is much of a finisher really <laughs> more just a, a, a pacey man on the wing get a few crosses in 
Yeah, but if you're a winger, you should be scoring more than one goal a season. You should be. You should be. There's no doubt in that. We had the last game to want to talk about there. It's probably the most surprising result of the weekend. It was Newcastle v Norwich. Did anyone see a 6-2 coming? Anyone predict that? No, not if that chance could, could you have called that. One of your favourite players, Gary, getting four. Yeah, no, he's obviously he's a highly rated player coming out of um, the, P, the PSV team with uh, Memphis Depay and surprised to see him go to Newcastle. He made a good start to the season and then obviously dipped off in form but came back with four, four good goals against Norwich and like you said, a, a surprising result that no one could have seen. Yeah, is, is this start of something for Newcastle or is it just a one-off I know they've got a a big game this weekend well I think they're going they're going into the the big game against Sunderland now in in good form like they've remembered how to score goals and even Mitrovic was in Mitrovic got a goal and uh, I think him and Wijnaldum could actually play play very well together if Mitrovic can himself getting sent off yeah he's calmed it down a bit now it seems Took his goal very well, in fairness. He did. Yeah. Anything else you want to add about the game, Gary? Did you, did you no, watch it? Did you enjoy it? it? It was a good game, but I couldn't... Again, I couldn't believe that it was 3-2 at half-time, and obviously the, the rugby was on at the same time, so I was mainly watching that and changing back over and seeing 5-2, 6-2. It was just a crazy game to be watching. Okay. That's the, the review done. Now uh, we'll have a, a preview of a few games coming up this weekend. Um, I suppose the big game of the weekend, United v City. Um, I'll go back to you, Gary, on this one. Uh, you confident? Um, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be overly confident. Like obviously, I'm hoping for a United win, but I think this just has this just has a draw written all over. Um, City are obviously missing um, some players but they've still got um, Kevin De Bruyne, Sterling and Yara had it last night as well so it looks like he's hitting form again for the Manchester Derby um, United go on, yeah. Yeah, United they've they've looked better in, in defence but um, I, I think their main goal is going to be Marshall obviously so how he's going to uh, fair going up against well I'm assuming it'll be Mendy and Mangala at the back Company but I think it's got on, didn't he last night he came on uh, like... he came on in second half he came on towards the end do you think play him think they'll risk him no I can't see I can't see them risking him because if they like if they start him and he gets injured again within we say the first 10-15 minutes or what, whatever the case might be He'll be long-term injury. They've done it before with with him and Aguero in particular, where the back played them too soon, and then um, long-term ones. So. so he'd be on the bench. Yeah, I, I'd say he'd be on the bench. I'd I, I'd probably go that it would be Adamendi and Mangala at the back. I think we, we, in the past they've had the Russian back because his replacement has has been poor. Whether it be Demichelis or um, the Serbian Savage. You even before Savage, yeah, Nostalic, they haven't been of high enough quality. I think this season both Mangala and um, the other one. Adam uh, Andy. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the other one. Yeah, um, Mangala and Adam Andy are both of a high enough level where 
he can trust him in this kind of big game and leave company on the bench and make sure he is fully fit. That thing is different from previous seasons of Man City. Body defense, strength and depth in centre defence. I agree with the whole strength and depth thing as well because obviously they're missing Aguero, they're missing Silva. Yet they can still field players like I know Boney's not quite Aguero, but they still got Sterling, De Bruyne, Yaya in there. Like they do seem to have that bit extra now. Because could you like the when they played uh, Sevilla last night of I suppose the four or five major stars that we knew about in the City team: your company, your Aguero, your Silva, your Yaya Torre. Only one of them started the game. Where like two or three years ago, that would have been major alarm bells and City probably would have lost the game whereas well, now they seem to have coped in fairness they were pretty close to losing like Sevilla yeah. had had a better of it and if it wasn't for that Kevin De Bruyne in the last minute goal then they they would be struggling in that group right now I mean that, that De Bruyne goal was huge it means so they, that's what they pay 50 million for isn't it exactly that's, that's why they bought him um, to have match winners all over the pitch I think that right hand side if you choose between De Bruyne and Navas, Navas, like I said earlier, is a very good player on the wing, but he's not going to win you matches the way Kevin De Bruyne can. Yeah, so Stephen, Gary thinks it's going to be a draw, what about you? Um, I'm not optimistic. For the first time this season, I've, I'm predicting a City win. United haven't looked good. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> you can have blind loyalty, but you also have to be realistic. And having watched United the last few weeks, they're not anywhere near where they need to be to compete with with, with City on form. I think if City, United could do what they did against Liverpool and nick a goal, maybe a 1-0, but realistically, I, I think City right now are are in form, barring a two-week little blip. And with it, where the odds do drop a bit, but I, I, I do think City are, are too good for, for right now for this United team, especially I if Rooney starts. How dare you? It's don't get me wrong. If 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 we come on the show next week and my United have won, I'll be as happy as everyone. But I, yeah, be realistic. If my United are playing Barcelona tomorrow, I'm not going to back United to win. And I think, I think there's a big difference between City and Barcelona. There is, but there's also a big difference between City and my United right now. Do you think so? Yeah, I do. I think. United watching them watching them in the Champions League this week. They're just they're not a good European team. They're an average European team right now. There's just a lack of. Well, I, I, we're not. We're playing a Premier League game. <laughs> we are playing a Premier League game, but I'm talking about the level of of a, of a team. Man City are in that second bracket of Champions League teams. We're in the third slash fourth bracket right now. We are still a long way away from competing. With, with the Barcelona and the Rails, and then we're far away from competing with the, the PSGs, the Man Cities of, of the world. Um, I, think I disagree. We're, all, we're only, what, two points behind in the league? Like yeah, we can go top of the win? Yeah, we can. And if, But having seen how we're playing the last few weeks, I know 3-0 did flatter us against Everton. Though if we hadn't got those two goals together, I, I'm not sure we would have won that game. I just... There's something still not right with that team. I think Marshall's goals have papered over some cracks. I think in time we don't start mad at, we look a very poor team. I'm, I'm honestly just not optimistic about this weekend. 
fair enough and as you said we'll, we'll see what happens over the weekend uh, other part there's three games this Super Sunday so Chris Liverpool are the last game on Super Sunday they're playing Southampton at home um, are you as pessimistic as Stephen about your team I'm just really refreshed listening to a United fan talk honestly about a match without, <laughs> without the bravado and we're the best team in the world but to answer your question um, no I'm not as pessimistic as Stephen um, but I'm probably a, as realistic as he is and I see this being uh, a struggle I mean I, I don't think we're going to be running away with this um, the one thing I, w- I would look at is the two games I've seen Klopp take charge of there has been an improvement defensively you know, that's not saying a lot we were a shambles defensively in games <laughs> before that but we kept a clean sheet away at Spurs however we did it and tonight we conceded one goal but it was it was a very well worked goal um, it's not one you would concede every week it, it wasn't like a a failure of the system it was just a really good goal that they created so Southampton conceded two themselves against Leicester so I'm hopeful with, with us being at home and top first game at Anfield first league game at Anfield I should say I just I think we might nick this one 2-1 but very close and maybe with some of our stars coming back from injury the likes of Benteke Sturridge and Firmino could make all the difference in this one yeah cl- close to a full selection for Klopp yeah, um, it's just, I just I don't think we've started Benteke and Sturridge together all season. Um, it would be nice to see if that can work and see how he's going to fit them in. Um, the problem we've I've I've noticed when we played Benteke is the tendency to kind of go direct to him like Route One, um, which isn't what suits him either. Like he's good in the air, but he needs crosses like from wide areas or or balls into his feet where he can kind of play people in behind. So we need kind of quick runners. So Sturridge one side, maybe Firmino the other, or even even Jordan Ibe, and just get get some quick players running the other side of Benteke and try and utilise some of his other qualities. Yeah, not just the long ball target man. Yeah, I mean, he's so much more than that. Um, I, I rated him very much as a player when he was at Villa. I didn't see how he was going to fit into our system. And I still don't, to be honest. But I would like to see us try and play to some of his other strengths rather than just knocking it long and hoping he's going to flick the odd one on for us, which yeah. he will do, in fairness. I mean, he'll work his socks off, but I'd just like to see a little bit more creativity, a little bit more intelligence in our build of play. Yeah, because he is like a quality finisher. He, he wasn't getting that many chances at Villa, yet he was still putting them away. So yeah, I mean, he can't do it. I know, I know we lost the game, but you could see the, the goal he scored against Man United. I mean, he does have quality. He's very good technically. Um, it's just a case of getting him in the right areas. And if you're knocking the ball diagonally 70 yards to him and he's flicking it on, he's not in the right position to be taking on shots. I mean, we know he can hit them from the edge of the box, but we've got to work the ball into him from to have them shots. Route one is not the way to, to get him chances on goal. Yeah, well, defenders are probably happy to see a long ball going forward towards him rather than him running into the box absolutely but I think that the benefit is if we've got Sturridge if we've got the pace maybe that, that'll get the defenders backing off which will leave space for him around the edge of the box space for Coutinho 
and that's what we need we need kind of to be able to threaten in two ways exactly I think you need to play both because as you said when Sturgeon and Ings played together they seemed to have a little something there whereas if you just play one of them like if you just play Sturge or if you just play Nteki Tenson kind of focus solely on playing two different types of players absolutely I mean I'm just imagining the start of the game against Southampton uh, they press up and we play a little ball in behind to Sturridge he gets through maybe he doesn't score but just makes them think makes them defend that little bit deeper which then leaves space in front of the box for the likes of Benteke as I mentioned it just it gives the defence more than one thing to think about and it just makes their job a lot tougher yeah well like as you mentioned Benteke against United like we seem to he got that spectacular goal but he didn't seem to threaten otherwise because all seemed, Liverpool seemed to be doing was knocking those balls forward and our defenders were heading it away yeah and in, in that game as well he was up front by himself yeah exactly Ings was on the pitch but he was essentially a left wing back yeah and that was just stupid playing him out of position yeah it was kind of the beginning of the end of Rodgers I mean he lasted a few more weeks but it was those kind of strange playing players out of positions that played a large part in his uh, his sacking yeah indeed moving on to the first game on Super Sunday and uh, the Tyne Weird Derby Sunderland v Newcastle this always seems to be a good one Sunderland I think have won the last five or something like that yeah, I think by ten goals to one. There's something for a team who've been how shocking Sunderland have been. Yeah, exactly, I just had to say, considering that they've been probably the worst team in the Premier League for the last three years, to have that record against any team is Let just alone your closest rival. Yeah, I think Big Sam arriving, playing against Newcastle. I think that the atmosphere in that stadium could be electric on on Sunday afternoon. I think Big Sam was a bit unlucky not to get a point at the weekend, in fairness. I thought there was a foul on his keeper, so he could arguably be going in with a clean sheet and his first point, going into that home game against Newcastle. Um, I think he will definitely improve that side and maybe even get a draw on his, his first derby match on the other side of the, the line. Well, there's a stat that I think it's either the last four or the last five Sunderland managers have all faced Newcastle in their second game in charge and have all won. It's it's a weird kind of coincidence that, that's happened again. And if, and if that trend continues... I'd Sam love to see Big Sam running the, the touchline and doing a Paolo slide I as uh, scored a third. Suit, suit shirt over his head. <laughs> <laughs> that would be brilliant. And it could happen. <laughs> now, I think Sunderland... I think it'll be a big come down for Newcastle having won 6-2 last weekend. You'd expect them to be full of confidence and if they can get an early goal, they have a chance. But as long as that game goes on, it's a derby. History is against them. And I think Newcastle fans and players will know about that history and that and that streak. I think I'd go 2-1 Sunderland. You think Sunderland will have enough? No, but just for that one game, they will. <laughs> Ask Gary, because his opinion should be fun. Go on, Gary. Oh, I went I went 2-1 Newcastle with this. I just They're going to be on such a high after um, the result against Norwich. Uh, Sunderland still have a new manager, but I could also see if Sunderland do win this one, I think you'll see McLaren out of a job then on Monday. Ooh, that's that's not a bad show. I hadn't thought about that. You think it's 
job on the line type thing. Yeah, I think because as everyone knows, Newcastle have had a bad run of bad run of games in in this fixture the last couple of years, and uh, I, the result against Norwich was it it delayed it a bit. But I think if he was to lose his first his first time rear game, I I think he'd have to be gone. There's also kind of the similar scenario Liverpool had. Um, I think we talked about it a, a few weeks ago. Is that did Liverpool kind of blink first and go for Klopp because they thought Chelsea might? It's kind of similar with um, Brendan Rodgers being linked with both the Aston Villa and Newcastle jobs. It's like will one of them panic and go to try and beat the other one if if they're thinking of making a change? Yeah, I've heard uh, David Moyes' name actually manned around for that as well. That one makes more sense to me. Because Moyes... He's in, he's in trouble in Spain as well at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. But is, is, are those jobs not more suited to Moyes than Rodgers? It would be a huge come down for Rodgers. Well, I mean, if you look at Moyes, it was a come down for Man United. I mean, he's, he's he, gone he by associate. He's a different country to do it. Yeah. Um, so I think that could have been the difference in that. I think Rodgers isn't getting another top four job. He's going, no, to have to, he's going to have to work his way back up. But if you look at how Moyes approaches his management or his managerial um, role and how Rodgers does it, Moyes can get Newcastle or Villa solid and getting draws and nicking the odd win. I think far better than Rodgers could quickly. I think that's that would be a a bigger concern for those teams that Rodgers might well do well for them in a year year and a half but his process takes time and they just don't have it big Sam can he firefighters yeah and a bit harsh to call Moyes a firefighter but he'd instill discipline he'd instill a good defensive system which Rodgers never really did at Liverpool okay Um, a couple of other games I want to look at before moving on Um, Arsenal v Everton uh, how do you see this one going? Arsenal's way. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. Like. It would be surprising if it didn't. Um, they seem to be on on even form. That's the, yeah. Arsenal seem to be on one of those streaks they go through <laughs> where for about a month and a half, two months they look almost unbeatable. Everton coming off a three 0 loss at home. <laughs> it takes a brave man to back them to win. Although if Lukaku shows up, you never know. Yeah, he's very hit and miss, isn't he? Yeah, but he's that Arsenal defence hasn't looked amazing. If if he can get at them early, but then he has to get past Czech, and Czech's been on form. So I'd I'd go for an Arsenal win, but I think Everton might grab a goal. The only thing I would say is after Arsenal's good performance and two 0 win against Munich during the week. It would be typically them to then go and lose at home to Everton. It would, it really would. <laughs> but to be fair, that's what I was thinking last weekend. Having gone and beat United, you kind of expected them to slip up away to Watford. And they handled that pretty comfortably, albeit goals in the second half. Watford have been awful this season. Yeah, but that's the kind of game in the past that I would have gone to West Brom and lost, or gone to a Bolton in Sam Allardyce's time and lost. I'm not saying Watford are, are are amazing or anything, but they're what are they the fifteenth in the table? They're not they're not awful, awful. <laughs> <laughs> they're good enough to beat a poor Arsenal team if that Arsenal team showed up, but 
we'll see. Yeah, uh, one last game. Uh, I just wanted to talk about is Leicester v Palace and uh, Leicester with the Premier League's top scorer in their ranks at the moment. Um, Vardy, everything he seems to touch turns into a goal. Yeah, he's he's in great form. Um, they were two 0 down in this one, I think. Um, I don't really get why Mars has all of a sudden been dropped. I mean, he did he came on at half time and created one of the goals, Vardy. Um, Palace were a little bit lucky in their game. Um, they conceded, I think, two minutes from the end, and then they create conceded the third. Obviously, late on. Um, Played most of that match a man down. Um, I think they will get something out of this game, so I think this one will be a draw. Yeah, I think so too. Do you think, uh, in just quick talking about Palace's last game, do you think it was a red card for Gale? Yeah, I think the, the second one, you can't make that tackle when you're on a yellow. Like, he's tread on his foot. It's a book. And, yeah. Um, I can see where Pards is coming from, obviously, because he's a player, but you, you could have maybe seen a referee show a bit of leniency and say here look you're on the yellow one more and that's it but it was a yellow card and I, I'd be going ballistic if a player got away with that for my team yeah yeah very true um, Gary, Stephen what do you think of this game? I think there'll be goals in it I think if you look at Leicester and the past so far this season they've both been very good going forward not as good defending I think it'll be close it's always hard to predict with, with, with an Alan Pardew side. I've gone for a Leicester win purely because I think they've been slightly more consistent this year. Yeah, no, again, I did this is going to be a high-scoring game. I'd, uh, I'd go for, I'd go a draw on this one, but the score could be, it could be and in two all, three all. Just both teams are, are good going forward, so and with me saying that now, it's probably going to end up a nil all draw. <laughs> you know, get ready for that, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready as ever. Um, just to round up the football, then to have a quick chat about those Champions League and Europa League. A few English teams were in action over this past few days. I suppose the biggest result was obviously Arsenal against Bayern, two 0 Very much a smash and grab. Yeah. Um, Neuer, the best keeper in the world. I have no idea what he was doing coming for that cross. Shane Long has scared him. <laughs> he looked nervy to be fair I know he made a couple of great saves I mean, oh that's safe for Walcott's header I think Theo should have done better he, I think it, it, it was, was a great save but I think Theo should score it's close enough to the middle of the goal yeah I, I think that it's a set, like Theo should have done better could have put it closer to the corner yeah. but I think Neuer still had to make a world-class save with it. Absolutely. I mean, the fact that he was coming from his near post meant it was still a world-class save, but I think if Theo puts that in the corner, he's not getting to it. And I think probably Giroud would have. I was just going to ask, is that, the, is that like the difference between a winger turning into a striker and a striker? Just the fact that I think Giroud's very good in the air. I think he, he's a better header of the ball. I, I don't think that's a, a dig at Theo. I think it's just a fact. Um, I would I'd, if you asked me before the game which one of them I'd rather that chance fell to it would be Giroud every time but if you compare the header from that's Walker point and, and what do you think of, it <clears throat> seems that Theo is the number one striker now at the moment at Arsenal do you think 
he, he deserves that or is Giroud unlucky? Giroud's not unlucky. I just think Giroud doesn't take as many chances as he should for a top-level goal scorer. And Walcott's the same. I think if you look your point there about converting Walcott from a winger, if you look at Martial's header in the Champions League this week, he's a much younger player who's making the conversion from winger to, to striker. And that's just a perfect header for, for the ball he played in. I don't think you can blame the fact that he's converted from a winger to a striker. He just... Walcott isn't good enough. He's not clinical enough. He doesn't know how to finish well enough. And I think you could play him there for two, three years and he, he won't learn that, that skill. You either have it or you don't. And I don't think he'll ever have it. No, I, I, no, I think I, Walcott, he's, as much as he wants to believe he's a striker, he's an out-and-out winger. Like, if, you're, if you're not going to play Giroud up top, then maybe... Uh, try playing Sanchez up top and have uh, Oxford Chamberlain then on the other wing. It's an interesting one. And then what, play Sanchez almost as a Messi in a false nine kind of position, or do you just or or do you just let Sanchez roam? Uh, I well, I I think either of them like he's he's good enough that he you could give him the free role or as Steven said play him in a Messi type role as a false nine, but. Walcott, he's he's not an out an out and out striker. Like he keeps saying that Henri converted from winger to striker, but he's not he's not the area Henri. He might have his number, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah, Henri was a special case, all right. <laughs> uh, Stephen, you mentioned uh, Martial's header there against CSKA. He, that uh, Martial was involved at both ends. Nice yeah. handball at one end and nice header at the other. His stupid mistake, as Van Hal called it, yet. It was. It was, it was an instinct to just put his hand up? Yeah, it is. The ball's going over his head. He just puts his hand up to block it and then realises, crap, what have I done? Um, yeah, he made up for his mistake. The problem is that if everyone makes one mistake and makes up for it, the, the game finishes 22-all. Doesn't really, doesn't really do much of it. Um, you know, they were pff, sloppy. They were pedestrian. They were... They just don't... I don't know what it is. At times they've looked slow. I know about how like possession, but possession is all well and good. But if you've no ability to break through the fence, you just won't score goals. Just want to add one point while we're talking about United. There, did you see? Uh, Schweinsteiger, Schweinsteiger is suing some doll company. See about this? Yeah, it was for their Bastion doll. Their Bastion doll, yeah. It's not exactly in good taste, is it? <laughs> it looks exactly like him. It does. The problem is, it looks like him in a Nazi uniform. Exactly. <laughs> it's um, I'd say the trend in legal action, and it'll be taken off the market pretty quickly. Pretty sharpish. But if you can buy one, it's going to be worth a lot of money right now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we touched on it earlier. City snuck a win, I suppose you could say, against Sevilla. Or is that a bit harsh? Or no, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. Um, Sevilla had a couple of chances to take the lead themselves before that. Um, header in particular. Um, he was a f- striker a few yards out. Um, gets up well, gets good power on it. Just kind of gets under it a little bit, and it just goes away. And that's the difference at that top level. Like Sevilla wasted their chances, and then. City have De Bruyne, some of this spent over 50 million, just comes up with a moment of magic. Yeah. Um, 
a really it's, it's a massive win for City who are still looking to get out of the group stages um, on a regular basis so it was a huge home win for them yeah totally agree then just final Champions League game I suppose a bit of a nil, born nil all Kiev Chelsea would Chelsea be happy with a point away from home not necessarily I think in the past Chelsea would have gone sure Kiev's a, a very tough place to go um, but yeah Chelsea would expect to win against against them um, and it's not the Kiev it, it was I don't know back when Shevchenko and Rebrov were, were playing um, Chelsea are very stop start at the moment um, Hazard was back in the side and I didn't actually see the game. I, I was watching another cracking nil-nil draw in uh, Paris Saint-Germain in Madrid. <laughs> um, it's just... I think the one thing Chelsea can take out of it is they didn't concede a goal. I think Mourinho has to take them back to basics and get them... Keeping like trying out the one-nil wins. Yeah, keeping clean sheets again. I think you might see it again this weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if they go ultra-defensive and just grind out a win away to or away to West Ham. It w- I can't see that game being pretty. I really can't. What, what, match like seven on match of the day, is it? And there's only six on that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could they could relegate it to the the championship TV show if you want. And um, yeah. yeah, I think it'll be I think they'll take a draw. They in previous years as Chris said they would have won there but in the form they're in right now clean sheet a point away if they win the home tie in the next week or two weeks time then they'll be happier moving on now and I've been dreading talking about this since Sunday the rugby the rugby world cup Um, who wants to start us off with Ireland v Argentina what happened what went wrong a number of things Um. Injuries is the first place to start. If you lose a third of your of your starting team and most of your leaders in that team, you're going to struggle. I think we all hope that they got the Schmidt mentality and the, the the unbreakable, indefatigable spirit would guide us through. But you saw in the first ten minutes how important leadership is. That Argentina just attacked us at will, and we didn't have the or- the organization or the, the leadership to to counter they went wide they scored they went wide they scored again and we were 17 points down like already the it would have been the biggest comeback in world cup history so if you go that far back like we were sitting in the stadium and it's like it, w- it felt like it was over at that stage and we got back into it and if madigan had kicked that that penalty to make it 23 all you never know but even looking at what happened the last 20 minutes, I think we'd have struggled to keep up with them for the last 20 minutes when both teams um, brought their benches on. We just didn't have enough. So as you said, uh, injuries caught up and they just wanted it more, did they? I don't think they wanted it more. Um, I just think they were far better on the day. Um, kind of reminded me a little bit of four years ago with Wales going into that quarterfinal with all the positivity and almost got the stuffing knocked out of us in the first few minutes. I mean, we were 14-0 down after 10 minutes. 
Um, Seventeen nil down after thirteen, it's it's a huge ask to come back at that level. Um, I think we we were all talking about the we did the the pre match pod, and we were saying how huge it was the Sexton was fit, and what was it? Twenty four hours later, he was out. I think that was just the straw that broke the camel's back. To be fair, um, it was just one too many quality players that we we missed out on, and Argentina punished us. Yeah, like a third of our starting 15, if you include Tommy Bow, I suppose, as well. Tommy Bow, Sean O'Brien, Jared Payne, Johnny Sexton, Peter Manley, Paul O'Connor, six of what could have been a starting 15. Like, it's a huge loss. And from those, three of those would be potentially, if you're listing captains for the Irish team, along with Heathlip, you've got O'Mahony, you've got O'Connell, you've got Sexton there. That's probably your four biggest leaders, maybe best five. You can't lose that many leaders as well. It's not just talent. It's not just the actual physical player. Yeah, if you listen to what everyone said about what Paul O'Connell does for a team, just by the way he plays alone, regardless of what he says or how he acts off the pitch, you need those kind of people to to organise you at the start of a game so that Argentina doesn't score lots of points, to calm you when, when you do get back into the game, and then to make sure that with, with 15, 20 minutes to go, that you're by sheer strength of will that you keep fighting and fighting and fighting and don't give up those 20 points in the last 20 minutes like talent gets you so far but you also need those leaders did uh, this result show or prove that there is a huge gap between southern and northern hemisphere teams um i'm not i wouldn't go that far um like this is like, the I'd like to see how Argentina would would fare if they were missing that many first teamers. Um, but this is this is what people are saying is like it's the best the Northern Hemisphere had to offer against the fourth best. It's easy to kind of sensationalize stuff with big headlines, and if you look at the the facts and how many of our best fifteen were on the pitch against theirs, it makes it a a different story than. Oh, the fourth best Northern Hemisphere or Southern Hemisphere team just smashed the best Northern Hemisphere team. There's more to the story than that. But you can turn that around and say the best Southern Hemisphere team scraped through against the sixth best and worst team in the Six Nations last year by an unlucky best penalty. Best team is New Zealand. Our best Southern Hemisphere team is New Zealand. But not according to the championship last year. According Australia. to the world Yeah, but Australia won the championship last year. So that Scotland finished last in the Six Nations. And yet for 78 and a half minutes Scotland were the better team it, like, as Chris said you can s- sensationalise this and it looks pretty bad on paper the four Southern Hemisphere teams are in the semi-finals but there are with Ireland injuries with France it's bad coaching and then with Wales and Scotland it's it's one to one play I don't think the gap is there is a gap and it's to do with courage more than, more than anything else it's the fact that the Southern Hemisphere tiers are, or Southern Hemisphere tier teams are courageous and they're willing to take risks and they're willing to to throw the ball wide and go for for tries and not just be the the team who gives away the least penalties. Uh, it's easy to say it now after the games, but if you look at Wales lost by four and Scotland by one, I mean the ball bounces a different way on another day. I mean, they could be a win for Scotland and a win for Wales. And then you're looking at 50-50 split. Um, the way it panned out, obviously, 
the Southern Hemisphere got all four, but I don't think there's as much of a gap as some of the papers and medias were reporting afterwards. Um, I just think it's the, the way the ball fell on the day. So as you say, they're just sensationalising it all? A little bit. I mean, there, there's certainly some truth to it. I mean, you could easily say that the, the best three teams in the world <coughs> sorry, are from the South, but it's not a case of Tier 1 and Tier 2. It's a case of we're all in Tier 1 and just they happen to be better on the day. So just, the, as you say, bounce of the ball, Scotland Wales could have made it through and then injuries permitting, it could have been three Northern Hemisphere teams and New Zealand. Easily. Um, but like, could have, would have, should have. At the end exactly. of the day, it's four Southern Hemisphere teams in the semi-finals and you got to pay them their dues. All four of them won their game so they deserve to be there. Yeah. Um, Stephen, I want to bring you back to a quote you said last weekend where you said, no quarter-final will have a 20-point gap. It just doesn't happen at this level. Two of these games, one of them had a 23-point gap and one had almost 50 points. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to be fair, I think no one predicted the Irish game would be... I think everyone had two, three, five-point gaps. I think that's 17 points throw away in the first 13 minutes. The entire stadium was just in shock. No one saw that coming. I think the Argentinians found a gap in, in the Schmidt game plan that was was visible against Ar- against Romania and Italy. France didn't try to go wide very often against us, but f- in fairness to the Argentinian coach, he found a weakness in Schmidt's tactics and they exploited it time and time again. And was it a weakness, or was it just as we talked about injuries and? Well, if, starting the first ten minutes. If you look at the Irish defence, the whole World Cup, it's been very narrow. They've been giving teams the outside ten, fifteen meters and allowing them to make yards out there. Now the poorer teams couldn't really do it much, apart from a little bit Canada with with Van der Merwe. France didn't go through the phases well enough, and France were just a shambles as shown against New Zealand. But you got a team playing with confidence who were talented enough to take advantage of. Of, of that defensive system and Argentina just tore it apart. Didn't like it was reminiscent of, of the All Blacks the night before. Yeah, talking about that game, like we all said that New Zealand would be France France the France team wouldn't really have a chance against New Zealand. And <clears throat> it proved that way. Three of us were in the stadium and New Zealand were just running tries in for fun. Yeah, especially at the end, France just gave up. Um for a little time, I think it was competitive. I mean, France were definitely kind of hanging on, but they they were making a match of it early doors. Um, coattails, hanging my coattails, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, very much competitive. Like I, I don't think after twenty minutes we uh, we would have predicted the final score. No, but I think as soon as that charge and try went in to make a ten three, even at that stage, you could sense the French were. We don't have it. We don't have it in us. Heads drop nearly. Yeah, we don't have it in us to come back against this All Black team. Now they kept scoring, I think, two more tries in in the first half, but that was just the French throwing the ball about. They lost by about twenty five minutes in. There was only ever going to be one result, and it was a matter of how many tries New Zealand could rack up. Sevilla 
becoming the first player to score two hat tricks in the World Cup. He's a talent for sure. Um, not not bad that player is he? No. I suppose on the other wing, all they have is this Milner scudder chap who only got two. Yeah. He's not gonna make it. No. <laughs> yeah, look, they they have talent. They just from one to fifteen, from sixteen to thirty, from thirty-one to forty-five, they have talent in in depth. It's something we can only aspire to. It's something. I no, think it, it. I think we mentioned it before the World Cup even started, and we looked at some of the players that they didn't even bring with them. That would walk into other squads. Oh yeah, look, look. If you look at at most of their countries, are taking their rejects and turning them to into starting internationals. Like, you're, I suppose, from Ryan's point of view, looking at Francis Saili maybe, and hoping that he he declares for us in a couple of years' time, and he'd probably start in the centre. If, if he's pain, um, like he, he's a he's a very good player, but he wouldn't get into their centre. I don't. He wouldn't get into the fullback slot either. He, um, he, would, he wouldn't get into their World Cup team. No. Well, if you look at the, if they're leaving Israel Dag behind. Yeah. Exactly. Um, as good as Jared Payne is, and I'm a big admirer and a big fan of his. I think since he's been at Ulster, he's been a great player, like contributing to the Irish game. But he's not on the level of those New Zealand players. No, not at all. Um, does, does a job in a different, a more kind of industrial hard work, which is, I suppose is how Northern Hemisphere teams would go about beating the Southern teams. He seems more suited to the Northern Hemisphere style. He's yeah. a grafter. And he's very good under the high ball. Being a fullback, which is a big benefit when he's playing the centre. Indeed. Um, just quickly with the other two games there, South Africa v Wales, these are the, and Australia and Scotland, these were the two closer ones. Especially Australia-Scotland. Some people say, like, Joubert running off the pitch, he knew he made a wrong call. You, Chris, you thought it was the right call. Yeah, I still haven't changed my opinion on it. Um, from from what I see, it's a knock on by Scotland, and then a player in an offside position picks the ball up. Um, I don't see how he's made a wrong call there. I mean, that's a penalty in my book. Um, I do think uh, I I completely agree with Michael Checker that I know I know benefited him, but it was a disgrace that the the rugby board came out and criticised Joubert. That that's um, absolutely horrendous. That is. Yeah, they hung him out to dry. I mean. If they're gonna come out and analyze every mistake the ref each referee made at the World Cup, then fair enough, it's a level playing field. But some people should be in trouble for that press release. So that was absolutely disgraceful. Yeah, it's it's just completely not on. Um, there's not there's not much more to say. I mean, I thought it was a penalty. Lots of people didn't. Um, I can't see how it's not. I mean, if it's an accidental knock on, fair enough, but. The guy in the offside position intentionally plays the ball. So, therefore, a penalty. Yeah, for me. Yes, and just like Scotland, they put up one hell of a fight though against. They're incredible. Um, this shows how it should be done. I think you did mention it last week that they've made vast improvements under Vern Cotter, and I suppose you could see that again. They've got one of the best coaches, I think. I think Vern Cotter has done a really good job with them um, they're not the most talented they're probably what would you say fifth, fifth best team yeah. in, in the Northern Hemisphere yeah I'd say so I, I would say they are better than Italy I know they did, they had 
they finish bottom, but I would probably put them ahead of Italy. Yeah. Um, just in terms of the structure, I mean, they, they've been there for years. They had a bad Six Nations, but the, the coaching there, and they've got some talented players. I mean, they've got a couple of Lions. Um, he's worked wonders with that team, and they were so unlucky not to beat Australia. Yeah, they really were. And then we've got South Africa v Wales. Did you watch this game, Gary? Yeah, I watched. I watched the, major, the majority of the game, and it was it was a good game. But South Africa just they just had that bit that bit more than Wales, and I think a, a lot like Ireland, the injuries to a point caught up with Wales. Like they lost obviously half Penny and Reese Webb and that uh, coming into the tournament. But the one strange one was the play that led to that led to the the try for South Africa. And just before that, they took off Dan Bigger, who obviously was Wales' best player on the day, and they, they took him off. There was no... Well, it didn't seem like there was any reason behind it. And you could tell by his reaction coming off as well. He, was, he wasn't he was happy. Like, he was shouting towards the bench, giving abuse. And like I said, there was no evidence behind why he didn't look injured or anything like that. So it was a strange one. Do you not just trust the coach's decision? <sighs> Um, no, well, in this one I wouldn't because, like I said, Bigger was he was playing really well forward. I mean, he he wasn't missing much. His overall play was was good. So what take him off when I was sore. Like I said, if you're ten points with a minute to go, then fair enough, you can say take him off. But not not in the World quarterfinal when you're still very much in the game. And this is a guy who's having a sensational World Cup with his boot. You're only a point up against South Africa. Any penalty in their half he's going to want to kick and if you're bringing him off with 10 minutes to go it's as in if I was him I'd be, I'd be angry at the bench now whether you show it on screen or, or you show it on um, publicly or you you wait until afterwards until you calm down but you, you're 100% right to be angry why would you no offense to Prickson but he's not as good a player it's such a tight game. You don't take him off unless he's unless he's injured. Yeah, I think you don't show. You try not show up. But it's it can be hard. It's hard. It's, it's, yeah. it's emotion. It got yeah. It gets the better. Um, just talking about this, so how good bigger has been this World Cup. I suppose once half time is back though, he takes over kicking duty, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. Um. Halfpenny's just a, another level up again. I mean, you saw him on the the Lions tour. He doesn't miss kicks. Yeah. Um, and they, they missed him so much. Not just his kicking game, his running ability from fullback. Wales. I mean, we complain about injuries. They were they were even worse. They they were calling up players to cover injured players, and they called up players were getting injured. Um, they did very well considering everything that they were through. Um. You get half head left take up taking duties when he returns. And then looking ahead, South Africa New Zealand on Saturday, Australia v Argentina Sunday. Can he call the final? South Africa, Australia. New Zealand, Australia. New Zealand, Argentina. Three different predictions there. I like what, it. What's yours? Me, uh, Australia, New Zealand final. Yeah, I think Australia have had their and the All Blacks are just too good for South Africa. 
Neither look, South Africa did have their scare, I suppose, with Chan and did they, they didn't look convincing against Wales and so it was Australia didn't look convincing against Scotland but I know they've made it and I just think Australia will have too much for Argentina and then just New Zealand power over against the Black Slows. Exactly, yeah. I think South Africa having such a bad um rugby championship, they don't have that supreme confidence coming into this and the game won't have helped. I just think if it's close with ten minutes to go the All Blacks have that winning mentality right now. It's even true. Yeah. I see there's lots of uh, tickets available if you want to go <laughs> to the semi-final this weekend. Yeah, semi-final too. It's it turned green very quickly. Yeah. Once Ireland were out of it, didn't it? It did, <laughs> yeah. And I, I've seen stuff on social media and stuff, people offering tickets. I saw one person yesterday had two Cat A tickets valued at €1,500. Euro, and she was selling the two of them for €500, euro, so 250 each. There just aren't enough Argentinians in, in Europe right now. No, there's just not really. Anyway, that's enough rugby talk for this week. And now, Chris, what's going on with the UFC? This UFC Dublin card seems to be a bit cursed or something, is it? Yeah, it certainly seems like it. Um, just getting over the news of a, a short while ago that the co-main was cancelled between Ben Rothwell and Steve Miocic and then get a message from Gary last night the the bearer of good news as always <laughs> informing me that the the main event at both sorry main concussion I believe was it? Main, um, last Saturday as far as I know and hasn't been cleared to fight so there's lots of rumours doing the rounds of different fighters offering to, to step in Norman Park said he would. He's already on the card. Um, Ross Pearson said he'd like to fight at one time. No, no, no. He was offering to step up and fight Poirier so that Poirier would keep his uh, his main event. Um, like, uh, Poirier d- decided no, that he was he was, he was was going to wait until he was healthy and reschedule the fight. Um, yeah. I did hear that McGregor offered as well. Is that true? He did. Um, he was never going to be allowed. Obviously I mean, not. Of all the other ones... Um, there was also talk, Ben Rothwell uh, he was the guy that was supposed to fight Stipe Miocic he yeah. was here um, he's still here as far as I know he was looking for a fight um, he was campaigning for the Andre Arlovsky fight um, Arlovsky was here so he was hopeful that that was going to get done the two of them talked and turned out the UFC have booked Miocic and Arlovsky now which is a little bit strange because the reason um, Jocic isn't fighting here is because he's injured and he's already got a new fight lined up um, so yeah just really really bad luck and it doesn't look like they're putting anything else on so we're going to be a fight light and the, the main event will now be a three rounder instead of a five rounder so how, how many fights are they going to be on the night now um, I need to check that I think that as far as I know they haven't replaced the the main comment they've just kind of put people up there was supposed to be four fights on the main card there'll there'll still be four and then um, there'll just be less prelims basically yeah they usually do 10 or 11 it could be down to 9 now I see some people aren't too happy and are like asking for their new stuff 
Well, they, they have the option if, if you if you want to get your money back, you can. Yeah. Um, Dana White's been tweeting that he's been getting dogs abuse um, from fans, and his response has been the same. Don't like it, get your money back. It's not his fault though. Like injuries happen, I suppose. That's exactly his response. I think the frustration from the fan side of things is that there have been these fighters that have been willing to step up, and none of them have been booked. Like I know personally, I would have loved to see. Ben Rothwell and Andre Arlovsky fight. Two heavyweights, two big names, especially Arlovsky, like a former UFC champion. And Rothwell is quite an entertaining person. He's a big presence, like he's a six foot four. He's a huge man. Like seeing two of them fight would have been really interesting from my point of view. But do you think UFC should have done something and then should have kind of filled up the gap? Sorry? Do you think UFC should have stepped in or Dana White should have stepped in and filled the gap? I think so, but I think the fact that they announced it what essentially three days beforehand they were probably a bit hesitant to, to book anyone well like I said you've got these guys here just give give us something like a lot of a lot of people like we sold out in record time again we just would have been nice to see um see a little bit of quality added to the card yeah that's fair enough um you still looking forward to it yeah just trying to get over I mean there was a was the initial thought when when the they they released the statements like if you want your money back go through Ticketmaster but then kind of you realize that they're only here once a year and it's a massive chance for for the hooligan Paddy Hoolahan so just get behind him like he's he's a local he's a local Dubliner like he's fighting Lewis Smolka he's getting a massive chance like in the main event now and hopefully he can go out and win and fly the flag for Ireland and it's just talking to one of the guys they'd be going with and we're saying like it's not the most stacked card now in terms of quality but there's a lot of guys with stuff to prove so hopefully they go out and put on a show and if yeah. if the fights are good then we won't care that the the superstars aren't here yeah and you still have the fair few Irish to back anyway at it yeah there's a there's a Paddy Hoolan like I mentioned there's Norman Park um there's Neil Seary, who's been, he's been bumped up to the, the main card. You got um Carl Pendred and Ashling Daly, so like there's plenty of Irish talent there. And there's also um Scottish lad uh, Stevie Ray, who looked very impressive when I saw him at uh, UFC the fight night in Glasgow, so I'm looking forward to seeing him. Um yeah, that's all I could say, kinda getting behind the, the local lads and just hoping for a good night of fights. Good stuff. You can have a review for us next week. Yeah, I'll be cage side trying to trying to snap a few pictures with the the fighters if I can. Will 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 you be live tweeting the event on the account? I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, just before we get to the regular end of the show, uh, Steve, I just wanted to ask you about um, Billy Walsh leaving Ireland for the US. Yeah, it's been coming. Um. There's been contract talks over the last couple of months. Supposedly the the IBA, the, the Irish Boxing Association, had had a deal in place to keep him as coach, which obviously coming into Rio next year would have been picked. But um, even the Irish government have gotten involved in the last few days telling the IBA to cop on because Billy Walsh basically accepted an offer from the US women's boxing team to go coach over there. Um, it all kind of came to us ahead this this week um which involves photographers <laughs> t- 
taking photos of Billy Walsh flying to, to the US this morning. It looks like unless there's some very, very late last minute turnaround, Billy Walsh has gone to coach the people who are going to be fighting Katie Taylor next year's Olympics. It's a huge loss. Cause I was just going to say, how big a loss is it? Well, it's our biggest... I know we we... we the majority of Irish people follow the Irish football team and the Irish rugby team in recent years, but the most successful Irish team in 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 world sport is the Irish boxing team. Um, we have more boxing medals than we have, I think, every other sport combined in the Olympics. We have a world champion right now in, in Conlon. Um, we have a world champion in Katie Taylor. We have an Olympic champion in Katie Taylor. We have, I think it's it's possibly 16 and maybe more world medals add to that maybe seven or eight more olympic medals and the potential for more this year i think it's it, it might be felt in rio i think he's been there long enough and they have good enough backup st- staff that this year it should see the team reach their potential but it's the next generation that they've lost losing what who one of the most highly regarded amateur boxing coaches in the world, if not the most highly regarded. It's a shame, really. It is, because it's not about money. It's, it seems though the, the boxing board have been interfering. They won't let him choose his own teams. One, one of the reports came out this week was that they're asking him to sign off on every single public appearance he does that they have to go to the boxing board and get written sign off if he wants to speak to the media or if he wants to attend an event and it's just it seems as though there's there's something very strange and and a big massive power trip going on in the IBA and they lost what's probably their second biggest talent behind Katie Taylor it's, yeah it's, as you said it's it's very unfortunate it is because like I said, we are a boxing nation. If you look at if you look at world sport, we're we're not really a football nation anymore. We're a rugby nation. We're a boxing nation. Um, we're a show jumping nation, maybe. Like, <laughs> no, as in where our medals come from in in world sporting events, we only have a five or six of them. And if we're if if we're going to throw away our best coaches for. It's not as if he's being poached by throwing money at him. He's he's getting fed up with and frustrated at the way that the boxing has been run, the amateur boxing has been run in Ireland, and he feels he's not able to do his job at a, to a standard that he wants to anymore, and he's going to go somewhere where he can do that job. And I think somebody, someone's head has to roll in either the IABA or, or the boxing board. It's that big, you think? Well... Yeah, you can't throw away talent. We we don't have enough of it in this country. It's the equivalent of Joe Schmidt leaving because he's not allowed to pick his own 31-man squad for a World Cup or he has to talk to the RFU or IRFU every time he wants to give an interview. It's, it, it's a joke. Okay, fair enough. Some strong words. Um, right, we're coming towards the regular end of the show now. So... The bet of the week this week, and it is a doozy. We are going for West Ham to beat Chelsea at 3-1. West Brom to beat Norwich at 3-1. Leicester and Palace to draw at 12-5. Stoke to beat... Who's Stoke playing? Uh, Watford, I think. Stoke to beat Watford at 
23-20 and Spurs beat Bournemouth at 13. 10-euro bet pays at a minus 2,690 euro. So, I could certainly do with that. I don't know about you lot, but this is by far the biggest bet we've had. So, uh, how I would love this one to come in. I'd love them all to come in, but especially this one. <laughs> um, looking ahead then, fantasy football for this week. Uh, and looking back at last week, I had a good week in the regular one, racking up 74 points with three of my players in double figures and three clean sheets as well. How did you get on? I did okay. Um, I moved up in, in all of the leagues by the head-to-head. Um, I was beaten by you. Um, just my um, my transfer didn't pay off. I had Aguero out for a month, so I decided to bring Sturridge in. And he, he was out injured himself, but was the only saving grace that while he was my captain, I did have Alexi as my voice, so he, he picked me up uh, 20 points. Um, my save. Yeah, so 62, not bad. Um, it would have been good enough to beat Gary and Stephen, but just not you last weekend. Thankfully for me, anyway. Um, I think 29 points was enough to beat me, so... Um, <laughs> you guys could have fielded half-strength squads and, and not played your bench instead of beating me. Um, bad week. Lost Aguero, didn't really replace him, so I brought in Sanchez this week to, with, with the money I had left over. I was kind of hoping Aguero was going to be a quick turnaround and that I, I didn't want to <coughs> take him out and then have to bring him back in two weeks later, but it looks like he's there for longer than expected, so... Yeah, it looks like a month. Yeah, that's... You can't go with five million in your, in your bank for that long. No, it's it's too much to leave sitting there. Exactly, so Sanjay is in, hope for a better week this week, and last again in the ultimate. This is turning out to be a Pretty poor season over. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what about yourself, Gary? I was only saying before we we started this that if I had been playing any anyone else apart from Stephen last weekend, I would I would have been screwed. I would have been absolutely hammered. So thankfully, I was playing him this last week. You're welcome. <laughs> How did you get on? I think I only ended up on forty forty six or forty eight points, something like that. So so not great. Yeah. My, I think my one, one or two saving graces was Virgil Van Dijk and Kevin De Bruyne is obviously then as captain. Van Dijk's been doing well for you. Yeah, he's like even he showed it up with Celtic and then in Holland as well. He does he does get goals. He can obviously take the free kicks. He's good at set pieces and Southampton's defence obviously isn't too bad at the moment. So hopefully, hopefully he keeps so- it going. And then uh, looking at the ultimate, so I was in the ultimate, I just scraped above the average of 59 points, so I got 61. Um, I still maintain a good start, though, and I'm ranked 48th in Ireland now. I'm happy with that. Uh, Stephen, Chris, how's you getting on? Yeah, I closed the, the gap a little bit this week. Um, I finished on 71. Um, a couple of clean sheets at the back with Klein and Darmian, but it was... The two men in midfield that really helped me, Sanchez and Sterling. Um, only had them the other way around and I had Sterling as the captain. I'd have been laughing, but Sanchez still did pretty well. He got me 22 points and Sterling got me 20 even without being the captain. That's very good. You can't, can't complain about that. No, but you can always ask for more. You, you can. You can ask for more from your team. Definitely. Definitely. Um, a little... I'd like to just mention Marez. Um, Get me seven points considering it was um, 
Tinkerman was me. After three, I played him as well. Thankfully, he got me those points as well. But I, as you say, I'm not sure what what he's doing. I don't know why he's not playing him. Was he playing for Algeria in the he break? Did, that is the thing. He did play for them, so I, I had heard that it might be that reason. Yeah, and if, he, if, if he's flying home late, they don't know what rescue him. Seems like a, a sensible enough call. Finally, question of the week. So the question was, which Euro 2016 qualification game produced the highest number of goals? What have you gone for? Uh, I haven't got a, a solid answer in my head, so I'll just give, give you my guess. I've gone yes, for sir. Germany and Gibraltar. Germany v Gibraltar, and you, 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 have you got the number of goals? Um, seven. Seven, okay. Stephen? I have a clue, so if you want to ask Gary first. Okay, go on, Gary. I've actually gone Germany and Gibraltar as well, and that one was 9-0 from what I remember. Okay, uh, I'm thinking it's the same group. I'm going Poland 7-1. Poland v... Tired Poland against Gibraltar. <laughs> <laughs> Who else is it going to be? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the answer is Poland v Gibraltar. All right. Uh, so it's actually eight one. Oh crap! So close. <laughs> but I have to give Stephen points of that. So uh, five all. Yes. <laughs> congratulations! You've uh, leveled it up there with Chris. Um, Gary, Gary, what topic of John is to save you next week? <laughs> yeah. Uh, How about if you let Gary pick the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, no one might look. I'd probably still get it wrong. It's not really luck, Harry. <laughs> stupidity, whatever they call it. Anyway, congratulations, Stephen. You got that one right. Uh, that's another episode. Of one more round wrapped up. Since we have no Rugby World Cup trick forward to this weekend, I guess a proper Super Sunday, two match Rugby World Cup semi-finals, and the UFC in Dublin on Saturday night. That Chris will be attending. We'll have to do for us to look forward to this weekend. Enjoy your weekend, guys. Until next time, goodbye.